and welcome to the ECE Quality Ireland podcast. I'm Celine Govern, and I'm Paula Walsh. And today we're going to be um, having a, a look at and a discussion about the updating of Ashter, which is happening at the moment, and the draft updated Ashter document that was recently. Um, sent out by the National Council for Curriculum and Assessment mm-hmm. for, for consultation and review. So I suppose for anybody who is listening to this podcast, you're probably aware of what ASHTER is, but just in case, ASHTER mm-hmm. is the curriculum framework for early years um, in Ireland, um, applicable to children from zero to six years old. And it was originally published in 2009. So how many years ago is that now? Nine, 19, 19 21, 14 20, years. 14. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, so well, well due. Overdue. Mm. I don't say at this stage. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. And you know, important to note for people who maybe don't fully understand our sector that Ashter is not a curriculum in that sense. Um, it's a curriculum framework. And and just it says in the new document that it's not a curriculum, it empowers educators to develop a curriculum. And I suppose that ties in very nicely with um, the way our sector and our profession has gone in that our focus is on the child and we are child led. And it also said that it it, um, it helps to develop the emergent and inquiry based curriculum. So I would agree with that, I think. I think it does give a good framework for that. Yeah, and I think the I think the previous version of Ashtar did mm. too, to be honest. It's always focused on that, hasn't it? You know, but... Um, but yeah, and I think I know we did a podcast before talking about the curriculum being the child and Ashter is the framework yes. that we build an individual curriculum around each individual child. Yeah. And the, mm-hmm. the, probably this new draft updated Ashter framework, I think maybe hammers that point home a little bit more, which is good. But um, OK, so we, let's talk about what we have noticed in this. We've both gone through it. Yeah. Um, not with a fine tooth comb. So um, if anybody feels we've missed anything, by all means, comment and or let us know. But we have both gone through it. So, Paula, what's new? What what are the main changes that you see? OK, well, the main changes are, you know, it's been sort of in some ways condensed a little bit in terms that the principles and the learning goals have been reduced, which I think yeah. is a really good thing, because yeah. I think the learning goals were just it was all a bit overwhelming and, you know, in the last one so the the, the principles yeah. have been reduced from 12 to 9 but and the learning goals have been reduced but I think they've managed to do that without losing any of the what's important you know yes and um, yes. you were saying earlier on like that as opposed to you felt as opposed to cutting three of the of the of the principles they've just sort of maybe amalgamated they, them they've merged them into the uh, into the others but they've also included one new one so one of the nine is a new one and it's transitions mm-hmm. um and i think that's welcome i think we are becoming much more aware or we certainly have in the last number of years about the importance of transitions and that how how we you know how we operate our schools our environment relationships with parents relationships with 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 um, the children's teachers will all help to make transitions yeah. um, easier for the child, but also a recognition that transitions are really difficult. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, traditionally we just said, oh, get on with it, you know. But, yeah. you know, they are difficult when you're two or three. Yeah, to, of course are. I yeah. mean, it's a yeah. big thing, isn't it? It's a, you know, and, and, and it, it creates thing. big yeah. and, it, 
And what we as educators and adults see as transitions, you know, aren't always the same. Like children can see much smaller things can be transitions. So and I think when you look at that, I think it's on page 14, it does say about, you know, um, transitions within and between the daily routines from one room to another, from one setting to another, between home and other places where they spend time. So I think that's really good. It's not just. I you always hear the word transition bandied around in you know in in May and June you know when we're talking about transitioning into primary school, but like yeah. for what for one child a transition from one part of the day to another could be a huge big thing. If if you look at children with the uh, who may be um on the on the autistic spectrum and and might need like a visual timetable to support yeah. their small transitions from one moment of the day into another so I think that's really good that it's yeah and I mean we really recognized this in our services over the last few years that those daily transitions were were the cause of anxiety and were the cause of stress and were the cause of not always but in a lot of occasions of behavioral um difficulties so we have eliminated transitions as much as is humanly possible. I mean, obviously the children have to transition to the toilet if they need to go to the toilet. They obviously have to transition in and out. But we've, you know, we don't have circle time. We don't have set time for meals. You know, we do rolling lunch. We don't have set outdoor play time. The children move freely. Now, there are times when that doesn't work for us, but generally, yeah, we are transition free. And when we do see that when we have to introduce transitions again, and people would say the classic argument you know, but you're not preparing them for for primary school. There's transitions in primary school. I think the bit that people miss is that you are much more capable and able for transitions when you are six than you are when you are three. You do not prepare children for transitions at three when their development Mm. is not ready yet. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So that's that that's a really positive addition. Mm. The other thing, the other main thing that I that I think is noticeable straight away, right from the start, is around some of the language and the terminology. So, you know, we've moved, they've moved from talking about the role of the adult, um, when they're talking about which in the original version of Ashter was talking about the adult of the educator, whereas now it does talk about educators. Yes. Um, and it talks about um instead of children or whatever, it talks about babies, toddlers and young children. So acknowledging the different stages and which I think is really good as well. Um, yeah. Isn't and it well interesting as- how, sorry for interrupting you, Paula, isn't it interesting how the NCCA, a government body, are referring to us as educators, but our own department is struggling with ECEC. I know mm. we've had this conversation before, but it's a direct contradiction, isn't it? And I mean, if, if they can't get agreement on it, what hope is there for, you know, the general public and parents? I know, I know there is that. But at least I suppose in our formal curriculum yes. document, it has made yeah. that, that, uh, that and it's very welcome. Absolutely. To, yeah, to educate. Yeah. And also, you know, it talks about, we were having, having a chat about this earlier it talks about agentic educators mm-hmm. um, and also agentic children which you know is great um let's mm-hmm. just go down to what were we talking about where does it say about agentic oh yeah so confident competent yeah yeah exactly so talking all about confidence and competent global citizens being able mm-hmm. to make choices and have their voice heard 
And I think that's wonderful. But I, I, I worry our educators going to understand how to do that. And like, is the terminology over not to undermine educators, but we were saying, you know, chatting, saying it does the terminology need to be so complicated sometimes like what we would yeah. have spoken about previously would have been, you know, um, acting upon the voice of the child and participation and that kind of stuff, active participation. Um, mm. So I don't know. What do we feel about that agentic? Yeah, I mean, who's it, who's it speaking to? Mm. Um, you know, so when you're when you're writing a document or writing a story or dictating a letter, you have to be conscious of your audience. Yeah. Okay. And, you know, so the audience is going to start with students in, in doing level five, level six, and level seven, and level eight degrees. Um, and, and, and then your audience, of course, is the educators and the parents. And I just wonder if we are over complicating things again mm. in the sector. Yeah. And are we missing who our audience is? I think that, that using terminology like agentic is speaking very much to academics, for example, you know, or people you who know are what I notice on, on page nine of this, right? So it's mm. where it first sort of mentions um Ashton views babies, toddlers, and young children as agentic, competent, and confident, right? And there's a footnote. Uh, flag there over the word agentic okay and then at the bottom of the page it says agentic refers to babies toddlers and young children having voice and influence over their own learning why is that a footnote why isn't it Ashton views children as um where is it I've lost it now babies toddlers and young children as agentic who have voice and influence over their own learning like you yeah. know it should be it's a footnote because they recognize yeah that it's a difficulty so if you have to footnote something yeah like that that is not you know for for publication in an academic journal right that is is meant to be broader than that and it's meant to talk to a particular audience i think if you have to footnote it you're already recognizing that there's a difficulty and maybe just a rewording of it is the yeah. correct is the correct way to deal with yeah. that but look at that's it, we're still going through the consultation process. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. But and, we think we, you know, we do agree that agentic, yes, children, yeah. recognizing children are agentic uh, is a good thing, but just maybe a bit of clarity in the terminology in the yeah, it, document. Exactly. And it also talks about um, the educator being agentic as well. Yeah. Um, yes. which, is, which, which again is a really good thing, but you know, just say it as it is as well you know that's in a footnote as well about an agentic educator making professional and informed decisions in response to children's learning now I think it does it does expand on it as you go down through but you know it's just these things need to be mindful of them I think you know that 100%. you're confusing matters you know and you don't need to but but it is a good thing that language is really positive absolutely one of the things I really liked is that it defines the image of the educator on page nine. And I think that's really important because I think very often, because Ashtar is not, is not a curriculum as such. And, you know, we do like to kind of have, you know, as educators, I think if you look at primary school and secondary school, and I can say this as a secondary school teacher, my, my curriculum is very comforting. Somebody else has developed it. And, and I have to present it in a manner that my students will understand. Do you know what I mean? And I have a very clear beginning, middle and end. 
But for early years education, it's a bit different, isn't it? And the Astra curriculum is a framework that helps you develop your curriculum. That's more difficult, isn't it? In the classroom, that's, that's more difficult. So then I think sometimes then the educators will often say, well, what is my role here? Like, what does that mean? I have to develop the curriculum. And I like that they've defined it. They say Astra views the educator as competent, confident, agentic and reflective. Now, there's difficulties that we've just discussed there, but they say they support learning on building the unique life experiences of each child, toddler and young child, and by facilitating, empowering and enriching their holistic learning and development. The educator acknowledges the importance of the family, culture, languages, values, beliefs, traditions, experiences and interests of that baby toddler. So I, I really like that bit, Paula, because I feel it, it's something that the educator can really view, take on board, can have printed out in the classroom. Mm -hmm. And it gives what they do in that developing of the curriculum. It gives it um, scaffolding. Yeah. If that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that is really good. And that is something that was needed because, you know, I, I think I'm more focused on the previous version of Astra on the adult as um, the facilitator. But like still, yes. I think this, that, that even that one paragraph alone, it gives it context a bit better, yes. doesn't it? About, like, do. you know, and we, you were you were talking earlier about um, when we were chatting before this about, you know, that difficulty where so, where sometimes educators can feel like they're they're not doing enough, you know, yes. they're not being active enough. Yes. Um, and that's a whole other, I suppose, discussion about, you know, you could, you could do a deep dive into that about when do you stand back? When do you step in or whatever? But I think that sort of clarifies it to a certain extent about what does it mean to be a facilitator and facilitating is doing something. It just, just because you're not in there, you know, hands on mm. all the time, you know, you're giving them their space to, to sort of to 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 um yeah and that's hugely valuable that that's what that was is what our job is we had a situation recently where a primary school teacher from england happened to be um around and asked could they come in and observe for a couple of hours so they did um and she's a specific primary school teacher but trained in pe so you know the way in some schools in england you you are you have a job mm. you know you have a certain like a bit like our secondary schools and she was very critical, you know, in in that the children were, it was play-based and childish. She couldn't get her head around the concept that the teachers were not leading from the front. Yeah, yeah. Didn't have all these little people in front of her, you know? Mm. And that, where was, the, where was the PE equipment and where was the PE press? We were like, <laughs> PE equipment is in the environment. <laughs> and the children, you know what I mean? Yeah, and yeah. my teachers doubted themselves. Mm. And they came to me and they said, we need we need more PE equipment. And I said, absolutely, no problem. And I ordered a whole load of PE equipment. But I did give it then with the proviso of be careful. This does not become adult led. Yeah, yeah. Because I was really worried about that. But amazing how quickly the doubt of their role and the importance of their role was undermined. Yeah, yeah. You so, know, and I and I've spent the few weeks rebuilding that that confidence. Yeah, yeah. So that I suppose that paragraph, the image of the educator on page nine, it does then give sort of a a grounding, doesn't it, to that role? I think it's really important. I like it apart from the first, apart from the first line, which I don't dislike, but I feel I I won't print that when I'm printing it for my educators and putting yeah. it up around the room. I like the rest of it. And yeah, I and think, again, I think it's just a matter of saying, you know. 
attributes the educator as competent, confident and agentic, you know, um, professionals who can make informed decisions in response to children's learning needs. Like put the footnote bit in. It makes it more sense. It, it needs it, you know. Exactly. And I think that's exactly what I'll do. I think it'd be nearly like, you know, one of those, like if I have it, you know, up on notice boards around the classrooms, it'd be like one of those um, positivity quotes or something yeah you, yeah, you know yeah. those things that you get on a calendar every day that makes you feel good about yourself yeah yeah you know yeah. what I mean I think it's nearly like this is who I am and this is what I do and it's meaningful and it's valuable and it's as valuable as everybody else's role yeah yeah, yeah so we we like that that's good yes 100% now that's the other thing then um we spoke about um to do with language now that we're on the topic of mm -hmm. language and terminology mm -hmm. was the Irish language Yes, included um, in this, I think, which is is always going to be a positive, like it does introduce, yeah. you know, some of this. So it says here on the main change to the framework, there is a focus on acknowledging our cultural and linguistic history and story. And as part of this, words, phrases and proverbs, Osgoelga in Irish, have been embedded throughout the framework. These have been included to promote their use in the everyday language of educators and for terms for which the English translation does not fully capture their meaning. So, for example, mehel, um, which I think that the, the 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 intention behind that I really like. I'm really I'm all for now. Absolutely. I, I, and I am by no means, you know, fluent. Well like, no, I've I've actually been trying to learn it on on uh, that app. You know what is it called? Duolingo on the phone. Duolingo. I'd love to be able to speak Irish, but anyway, but I think it, I, I really like the intention. I think it's a really positive and it's something that I wondered personally about before, you know, why isn't there any Irish language in there when we are promoting diversity, equality and inclusion that includes ourselves, you know, so I sort of felt, yes, I, I, th I think that's really good. However, I do have a... <laughs> Is anything ever straightforward? I, I can nearly see it written down. However, comma. <laughs> well, let's look at what they have in. So they do have some words, sort of, they've sprinkled them through. Like, you know, um, on page seven there in the middle, they're saying that, um, what is it there now? Ashtar emphasizes the centrality of family languages, mehel, and then in brackets, they explain that that's the community spirit of coming together. Um, and they talk about um, learning through loving, trusting and respectful relationships and through play, spree, fun, exploration and covert conversation. So it does put some some nice words in there and you do get like, you know, the word mehel, you know, it is more of a it, 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 it isn't something that's easily translated into English. So, you know, it's, it's a phrase. So it, it is useful to have it there. But I wonder you know, when it talks about the rationale for putting it in there, to, you know, to 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 have the usable phrases and words. My initial thought was, well, then why don't you just have like the the themes in Ireland, yeah. you know, like like Te Wariki, yeah. you know, like and as you mentioned to me earlier, like, you know, surely we should be thinking of, well, what are the words that we already use from Ashtar in our everyday language? in in our role and they should be the Irish ones because you know some of them are in there but they're in and and but the way that they're in I feel is not very conducive to every day yeah I mean it says everyday language but I would dispute um or disagree dispute is a very strong word isn't it I would disagree that spree fun 
in, in our everyday language in the classroom, I, I wouldn't say the word fun is ever part of our everyday language. You might say to a child, are you having fun? But I'll tell you what is used a lot more, play. Yeah. Play is used continuously, you know? Yeah. What about just the children? Naposhti. Yeah. Do you know? Um, just... It's obviously doing the right thing in that it's recognizing that we are Irish and it's recognizing that it is, you know, the Irish early years curriculum framework. And that as a result, then our language should be interwoven. And the fact that it's called Ashter and not a journey yeah. is, is the first really positive thing mm. that's been in there since since 2009. But if we're going to if we're going to say we're going to introduce the Irish language in the everyday well, then let's make it meaningful. Yeah. Let's let's have a situation like I've got my my longest serving member of staff um, um, was born in England and went through the English education system and has zero Irish. I mean, zero. Her pronunciations are hysterical. But <laughs> she she says Ashter rolls off her tongue really easily because it has become embedded. You know, yeah. so if we could, Im and, and we, but we were saying that for people like me and you who came through the Irish education system, we have so many of these words, don't we? They're in there in our subconscious somewhere, like Naposhti, you know, that we could just bring to the fore. And I think it would flow so well. But, you know, I can't see my educators using metal and spree in their everyday language, but they could no. definitely say, you know, Naposhti or loan for lunch or. <laughs> you know play what's play why Zugra. am i struggling Zugra. thank you you see yeah. as soon as you said it i went i can even i can even spell it for you now as your father yeah i can spell it now like so it's there in our in 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 our learning from years ago and it would roll off the tongue so well so i love the concept i think it's really positive but let's actually use our everyday language you know yeah and i think that's key what is the language of ashter we use in the everyday and those in the are classroom. and can we in, bring in the in the in the early years environment and can we change some of those words like sugra is such a lovely word like some of the words in irish and are so nice and as you said earlier they're sort of they're nearly they're musical poetic, musical yeah yeah and they nearly yeah. like sugra is nearly you can nearly see, you know, it, it, it sounds fun to say it's a bit playful. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. And then it would complement, of course, the primary school curriculum as well and what they're doing in primary school. And, you know, the more we hear it, you mm. know, the more mainstream it becomes. And, and what a wonderful contribution to Irish society we could make in the next 10 years mm. by, you know, it would be just such a vast, you know, contribution to have made if all of our children refer to each other as Naposhti or they're, you know. Yeah. And I think like if you look at the Tewariki approach, like it's fundamental elements of their uh, curriculum yeah. framework that are the yeah. that are in the their their native language. So yeah. and I think that's what we need to do or what I would like to see do. And we were talking earlier, you know, and talking about babies toddlers and young children I think is great you know differentiating between those different stages but like you could we were looking up now you know in all fairness we did have to google translate it but still <laughs> you know you could well, I had in my head that a baby was a babog I was yeah. absolutely you're right it's a it's a lanov babog is a doll lanov lapidon august poshti would yeah, be I babies mean... toddlers and young children and that's not hard to say you know that would be lovely to 
you know anyway but I think that that is something that's it's a great intention but I would like to see it you know I wonder what's learning through play I'll tell you now what it is because I was looking at it up learning through play something exuberant eggfolum trisugra three of course through eggfolum learning trisugra mm. now I think that that I, I think you could read that, say it kind of, say it to yourself. And if you went through the Irish primary school system, you'd actually work it out. Mm. Yeah. Without having to Google translation. Mm. I think we'd be much better actually at translating from Irish to English than we are at going the other way. Yeah. 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 But anyway, that's our contribution on that bit. That's our, our our contribution. I definitely, I just think, you know, it's it's brilliant to have it there or even for community like Pubble. And Pubble is a word we all know too well. <laughs> so, you know, yeah, so there is lots of scope there to make, if you want to make it usable in the everyday, then use everyday words. Use the words that we're using the everyday and then translate them. You know, that would be really good to see, I think. Okay. Tish Mahori, isn't that parents? Oh, is that parents? That's such a lovely word. Is that not parents? No. We talk about we talk about that relationship with parents all the time. So why isn't Tish Mahori in there? Am I right? Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is Tish Mahori. That Gale Talk, those three, so three years yeah. my parents spent a fortune sending me to the Gale Talk. That's all in there somewhere. It's a lovely <laughs> word, isn't it? Tish Mahori. Yeah, Tish Mahori. Oh, no, I can't remember word. grandparents. Tish Mahori. Dan Tish Mahori. <laughs> It is. I just Google Translate. <laughs> is it? And then you have your Drafour, August Drahar. Yeah. Sisters yeah. and brothers. Yeah. You see, it's all there. We know this stuff. But if they want us to use it, it we need to be using everyday language. Yeah. Or yeah. even friends. Karja. Okay. You know. Karja. Isn't of lovely that lovely? Words. Yeah. My favourite Irish word is Uktarocha. I love that. <laughs> Ice cream. Yeah. Am I right? I just love the words. Yeah. Yeah. yeah anyway. I mean, it's lyrical. It's lyrical. Lyrical. Yeah. It is. Yeah. And that is, but well, you know, when we often talk about funds and knowledge and stuff like yes. that we bring from other elements of our lives. And when I, that was something that struck me when I started doing the Duolingo thing, the amount yes. of Irish words I knew that I had in my head, it was stringing them together in a sentence was a problem, but that we have them like, and I know, okay, yeah. people who are from another, um, who have moved into Ireland or come from a different cultural background and uh, English is not the first language. But those children are going to go in if they go into the primary school sec setting. There is going to yeah. be some words, so I don't think it would be exclusionary to introduce some of some some words that Not are. At all. Yeah, you know. So, but um, anyway, so that was that. That's we feel good about that, but we would like it maybe a little bit more thought into user it. User friendly, yeah. yeah user yeah. friendly and meaningful. Yeah. 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 Okay, I've got something I want to ask you about because I know you feel strongly about this. So, the 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 use of or the the omission of stem or steam yeah. i know you feel strongly about this so i'm going to ask you the question and let you tell us why you feel strongly mm. about this because i think you're much more knowledgeable on it yeah well i suppose it does in exploring and thinking what it says is that children enjoy exploring early scientific technological engineering and mathematical concepts and ideas and testing these things out and yes they do and in the aim around that, it asks that children should have opportunities to explore their world through integrated artistic, linguistic, geographical, historical, scientific, technological, engineering and mathematical learning experiences through play. Quite a mouthful. But to be mm. honest, 
Hmm. If you ask me, because it says artistic and then the scientific, technological, engineering, mathematical, it's actually saying STEAM, but without saying STEAM. So I just wonder what the rationale Why? behind that is. Why? Um, because the purpose of using them in an integrated way, well, that is what STEAM is. If you are using the arts, science, technology, engineering and maths in, in an integrated way, mm -hmm. um, using using some parts to help express other parts or to make meaning from other areas or just that they go together into whatever you're doing. Like you can't use mm -hmm. engineering without maths and science. You can't be an architect without being creative. Yeah. You know? So um, then why would it not be STEAM? STEAM aligns with children's... Um, you know, learning through hands-on experiences, drawn upon their knowledge from other areas. You know, um, it's it allows for you know free play, learning through play, and you know, I just feel that it really steam really aligns with how children learn. It's not learning about siloed individual areas, and I'm not for one minute suggesting that they want children there to learn about the siloed individual areas mm. but we need to if you want them you know and it does state here that you know talking about them in an integrated way well then that is steam you know yes. so i think it's probably complicating it from the educators end of things because it's like all of these things artistic linguistic geographical historical scientific it's like oh my god it's like that you know at the end okay. of the yeah. ad on the radio about financial stuff and they do all the real quick you know, try to get all the words in, you know, but um, yeah, yeah. And I just I mean, it does talk about aligning this Ashter um, framework with the primary school curriculum. Right. And um, mm -hmm. therefore they talk about STEM. Now, I would have an issue with STEM and STEM and the arts. It should be STEAM in my view. But even if they had STEM or STEM and the arts in there, I'd be happier, you know. But if you're aligning, well, then I think, again, we're coming back to overcomplicating because for whatever yeah. reason. Yeah, um, and that's, I would agree. It just seems again like it's back to, I think we've spoken about this several times throughout this conversation is that is it overcomplicating? Yeah. Now, I know from reading from reading documentation um, um, and policy on this area, right, coming down from the department and that, that there is a concern about STEAM in that mm -hmm. they've used STEM and the arts, OK, in reference to sort of the primary school curriculum and that. Because there was a concern that STEAM and having the arts in the middle there, that some people were concerned that the arts then was just been seen as facilitating the other STEM areas. Right. Okay. But I strongly, you know, disagree with that. And I think that it's that's just not looking at it, you know, because, yeah. objectively. Yeah. You know? Whereas, you know, if you, as I mentioned to you earlier on, if you take, yes, you do need, you know, the arts do facilitate learning in the other STEM areas, but it's also the other way around. It's reciprocal. You know, you can't be, I mentioned to you earlier, you can't be a dancer, a ballet dancer, you know, um, yes. uh, lifting up another dancer or even just a lone dancer, you know, moving yes. around the, the, the stage. They have to understand spatial awareness. They have to understand gravity. They have to understand balance. Uh, yes. If they're lifting another dancer, they have to understand weight. And, you know, there's so many things. Yes. If you look at a sculptor who's making a statue, you know, that's not that there's so many different mathematical, you know, um, concepts mm. in there, scientific concepts to do with, you know, the. Was the it Da Vinci who studied anatomy? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. he felt he couldn't draw 
the human person. Um, I think it was Da Vinci. I'm, and I'm no, I'm no, um, I didn't do art in school, but I think it was Da Vinci who had yeah. to study anatomy and the science of the body in yeah. order to feel that he could, you know, authentically create yeah. art. Yeah. yeah. So and if you I even look at, you know, that Vitruvian man symbol, you know, the man with his arms and his legs yes. associated with Da Vinci. And that's always associated with sort of scientific realms. Yes. That that was that informed that whole thing of of um, being able to it broke down the body into parts, you know. Yes. So that it and it informed artists for, you know, how to, you know, realistically. Mm portray the human body in pieces of art so yeah. they would very strongly refute that you know that it should be stem and the arts because i actually, it, yeah it, i actually think it risks more undermining the arts yeah. by having it out there on its own by separating them yeah i think we, there needs to be a greater understanding that absolutely everything a child learns is all linked Mm -hmm. It's all um, connected to each other. Like even as a, I teach religion for Leaving Cert and one of the modules is um, religion and science. Yeah. And, you know, when you get into it, it's just so interesting about how oh, yeah. there's links, you know, all the time. So it would be, you know, well, then are the religion teachers in the school going to say, well, we want, if they have STEM and the arts, we want STEM and religion. But in actual fact... STEAM, I think, encompasses, I would say, every subject in the school and the person holistically. Mm, yeah, yeah. So I just think, again, it just, you know, and I, and I was confused because the literature review, it says at the start of this document that that literature review that was published, was it the end of last year, earlier this year, that it was um, a team in DCU were uh, asked mm. to, to write this literature review to inform mm. the updating of Ashton. And they talk about STEM and they talk about STEM and the arts yeah. and, you know, its importance. So I just felt I was very surprised. I thought STEM would be in there because the literature review and that I'd be arguing to get STEAM. But I was very surprised that even STEM was the omission there. completely. Yeah. OK. Yeah. 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 So okay. that, that would be a bigger, big book bearer buying. But I'm glad to see that they're in there. But again, I think it's it's a bit will it frighten educators off will they not feel they know how to do it and again it's and i suppose it comes back to something else we spoke about in that how is this going to be rolled out yes to the audience who is your audience and how are you going to get the message across mm. yeah because that was that was a failing wasn't it with the first one yeah it was sort of just put out there and and there wasn't really appropriate training yeah. you know there's support you can access of course like online and that but I would like to see this when it is finalized you know I would like to see that every educator has to go to some kind of a workshop or training day yeah I, I went good. yeah the first time around myself and my lead educator went to an evening's training in the Ardboyne Hotel in Navan and um, they introduced you know they introduced the themes and the principles and we came away completely bamboozled with all this knowledge and confused mm. and we we then dissected it ourselves over the coming years and became familiar with it through our own you know I think you know ongoing ongoing training sessions in service or whatever you want to call it where they maybe broke it down then that was great as an introductory it gave us the, the language of it. yeah but then there was no follow-through but you know we always talk about 
you know, I, 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 you know, when I when I lecture students, and I remember when I was in college myself, there's always a focus on put your theory. How do you put your theory into practice? Theory into practice. And I think this is an exact. It has to be. And I hope that when it is when it do, when it is finalised, that there will be practical training on how do we put this into practice. What does that look like in practice? Mm-hmm. Not just how do we learn about this, what it what it is, but what mm-hmm. does that mean? What does it look like? How do we do it? You know. Mm-hmm. Um, you and know, I think so- also, you know, the train, the trainer concept, I think I'm hearing from um, students of late that a lot of their lecturers um, haven't been in a classroom themselves since pre-COVID or, you know, in 10 mm-hmm. years. And that their memory of practice in a classroom is very different to the reality on the ground now, you know, with rolling lunch and transition free and access to outdoors. Mm-hmm. And they're, you know, so I think I think if the the people who are de- who are delivering the training have actually spent time in the process of preparing in the sector, yeah, yeah, um, in real classrooms, that that would really help how they um how they deliver this in a meaningful way. And maybe that's something that is all planned to be done, as you say. It's still only absolutely. In phase. Now I know we're running out of time, so yeah, um. What was I going to say to you? Oh, yes. So for anybody who is interested, you can give your feedback and feed into the consultation process on the updating of Ashter. And I think it's up to the 14th of November. You can submit your feedback or a written submission or a survey. Or well, we just said them the podcast. But yeah, up on the NCCA website. So for anyone who's listening, you know, if you're an educator, have your say in it, you know, whether you agree with, with our totally. or not, have a look at it and have your say, you know, and uh, feed into it. It's important. It is important. But I suppose just to wrap up, I think overall, we're very positive about it. Yes. And, and it's and long overdue and well done to everybody who took part. Yeah, absolutely. Because it is no mean feat. Like no. it's a big undertaking. No. And um, we're very positive about it, but like that, there's maybe some things that we feel need to be looked at and maybe that will happen in the next phase. In the next consultation process, phase two. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So that's it for us, I think, for today. So thanks for listening, everybody. Um, You can find us, the ECE Quality Ireland podcast, anywhere you find your podcasts and uh, feel free to share. Like and share. Absolutely. And we'll see you next time. Bye.